0: This is the Brisbane Football Review, with your host, James Coglin. One of these days, I will master the ability to complete a sentence. Scott Owen.
1: Uh, what would I know? I'm just the weekend host around here.
0: And Adam Pace.
2: Look, i think what other choice do you have?
0: Starting now. Another round of the Australia Cup is in the books, and that means it is time for... Another recap show on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James, Scott and Adam, and we've still got a Queensland team in the mix, just like last year. The Brisbane Roar are still alive after a pretty entertaining week of football. Scott, how are
1: you? I'm good, James. How are you? Good to have one side in the quarterfinals at least.
0: Yeah, and it's been a... I think we had two really good games, at least from our perspective. We uh, were down at Carrara last Wednesday night, and uh, we all tuned in to see the Roar... Do what we hoped they would do last year against
2: Sydney United, Adam. Yeah, I guess uh, revenge is a dish best served uh, with five goals. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's yeah. So I think I think we we pretty much called it. That, um, that yeah, that, uh, we thought the Royal you know would not make the same mistake as last time, and uh, they certainly um, sort of shut the door on on that sort of worry. They certainly did. Well, let's
0: dig into that game a little bit, and it will be, uh, yeah, it was an interesting afternoon at Adenta Park. They're all playing Sydney United. 5-0 win in the end, but I've got to be honest, heading into kickoff, Scott, I was actually quite nervous about how it was going to turn out.
1: Oh, I was actually quite confident, actually. I was just absolutely convinced. As soon as the draw came out and they saw it come, I thought, well, they, they're not going to go down there and lose again. Surely they're going to want revenge. I know Ross always said it's a new team, a new era, and all the rest of it, but there's a lot of players in that group, James, who were there last year and would have been really disappointed with the way that went. And To be honest, it was a perfect road performance, wasn't it? You look at it, they scored, they completely controlled the game. We'll talk about some of the young guys in a minute, but the way they controlled the game was completely perfect, the way you would you would hope, and then A-League side played against an NPL. So they have completely outclassed them. It was a really, really good performance, and like Adam said, it would have been nice if they did that last year in the semi-final, but this time around, it was a great performance.
0: Well, maybe it's my own neuroticism getting in the way, but, I, yeah, I have to admit, until I scored that first and probably the second goal, that was when, once that went in, I was like, okay, this is how this game is going, Adam.
2: Yeah, it was always, uh, I think when we get into these stages of the competition where the where the elite clubs are starting to find fitness they're starting to find a big continuity and new, new players are starting to get integrated into the squads uh, you, you, you do worry about you know, perhaps you know, a sucker punch early and that was the one thing that the Raw had to avoid was not to concede early but to sort of take control of the game and uh, within 20 minutes with Henry Horse first goal which uh, came from a, a very very uh, poor sort of error at, at the back uh, basically it was a gift for him. from there they they didn't look like losing i think that's i think that's that's the important formula for these a league clubs and now in this competition as so they get deeper and deeper is that if they if they are able to sort of be aware of the ambush uh then and they can take control of the game it generally with a lot of these clubs that you know these these uh, member federation clubs they're at the end of their season so it, it's hard to think that they'll find a way to get back unless you let them back in the game and the raw certainly did not do that that's one thing that i'm quite encouraged about from this game and
0: the Raw's pre-season performances in general. I've been at most of the uh, friendly matches, didn't watch the Western United game, but looking at the way they played against the NPL clubs in those pre-season friendlies, what's already standing out to me is, you've got a very clear idea of what this team wants to do when they've got the ball. You can see how they're organised and, I, I, I know it's a cliche phrase to use, but you can see the identity that Ross Aloisi is building and how it differs to previous iterations of the Raw team, which, to me, is the most encouraging part of it all, Scott.
1: It is it's very different, isn't it, what we saw last year under Warren Moon and then at the end under Nick Green. It's very closer to Nick Green than Warren Moon in terms of the way that they're playing, but it is very different. You're right, and it's It's very clear that they do have a, an entrenched style that they're building towards. And you're right, it may not necessarily be there from day one in the A-League, but over the course of the season the way that they are playing and there's obviously some recruitment still to happen to come in and help bolster that but the way they're playing at the moment it's a very it's a very watchable style i would say it's a very they, they are really good to watch and the way they're playing at the moment it does give real cause for optimism going into the upcoming season which we haven't really had too much of in the last couple of years
0: yeah i think two years ago i might have picked them to finish fourth or fifth or something but you're right like I'm cautiously optimistic thus far based on what I've seen that they're going to be competitive this year. I'm not, you know, going crazy and saying, oh, they're going to win every single game or any of that. That's not
1: what you said off air. You said he's planning (laughs) his championship
0: tattoo. (laughs) If the Raw win every single game this year and that includes, you know, winning in 90 minutes, none of this extra time stuff in the finals, I will get a tattoo for them. How about that?
2: There's a challenge.
1: Is that on record? Is that on tape?
2: Yeah it is. So they'd have to win. Aging Ross Alawissi. There's your there's there's your uh, there's your motivation. So is it is it would be thirty games they would have to win then. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah <laughs> it's it's funny that uh yeah, as much as you'd like to dream and uh, see you utterly humiliate again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, look, I'm actually, uh, look, I don't want to get to into a season preview because we've got a whole another show for that uh, soon. But uh, look, I think I think the roar at the moment under Ross Alwisi actually a lot further ahead of where I thought they would be. Um, and I think a lot of that has a lot to do with a very, very established side from last year. You know, I think it's like twelve players that are still still contracted with the club, so that makes uh, makes it a lot easier. But uh, they, do, but I do agree that you, you can see where it's what they're trying to do and where they're going w- with this, and uh, it's just a matter now of uh, the following... P- Puzzle pieces, and I think uh, the the sort of the the mystery uh, number number nine, be it a you know most likely a a foreign striker, you know, and how quickly they can get up up and uh, and sort of uh, start performing. I think that might be the, the big missing piece, and maybe also as well maybe another maybe a, a fullback or another wide wide sort of defensive player. Well, I'll allow me
0: to temper the optimism a little bit as well. Is while you're seeing this identity come through. You're also seeing areas where they still can get better, which you know is good because if they were playing as well as they possibly could on September 4th or whatever, it's going to be the next time they play. That would probably be more concerning. But either way, I like the fact that they were ruthless against Sydney United. Five goals in the end and Quinn McNichol scoring, uh, the I would say, the easiest debut goal uh, anyone would have had, which was from all of about three metres out, Adam.
2: Uh, yeah, what's six? What's six yards? Yeah, about that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. The young, youngest, uh, youngest player ever score in Australia Cup final rounds. Uh, Fifteen years, two hundred and twenty-eight days. Uh, which that's and that is obviously also a Brisbane raw record. So just uh, a look,
0: congratulations. Quick, quick point of clarification to our stats expert Scott: Is that the youngest men's or women's score, or is it just men's?
1: I think it's the youngest for men and women. I think Tommy Orr was the youngest. And he was seventeen, I think, when he got his first goal. So it's definitely the youngest. And did you really need to say how many, how old he was when he scored? I Adam, mean, He just made us all feel really, really old.
0: We covered that. Yeah. We covered that in our round of thirty-two recap. I know, though. but now, he's, yeah. now that
1: we're going again, it just was not really needed, it, Adam. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I
2: know. I'm sensing. It. I just want to sound smart with that, uh, with that statistic. I'm sensing a
0: new regular segment for the weekly show during the season as well, which is ways Quinn McNichol made the three of us feel incredibly old this week. (laughs)
2: Look, uh, to to be honest, I, I... I think that uh, if that became a regular segment, uh, that means that he is getting he's getting minutes in the senior team, which I think would be amazing. I think that the most important thing with the roar is that you know, yes, it's a it's a fantastic story, but uh, yeah, look, you don't you don't want to um, overuse him or overexpose him early, because I think he's he's going to be a very very valuable commodity both as a player on the pitch, but also as well. I think uh, with the new paradigm of I guess the whole A League where you know young players are also seen. As sort of your know, assets, yeah. You, know, you you really don't want to burn him out too soon, and uh, and and yeah. So I I think I hope the raw sort of you know they they know what they've got with him, but yeah, he looks he looks a fantastic player as, as we we've said even at this age.
1: Can't judge him on what he's doing on the field at the moment, James. At the moment, he certainly deserves to continue playing. I know they brought in Florian Berengi he's probably going to play a similar role. I think he made his first appearance in that Western United friendly over the and They also got Henry Hall, who's done well in that role in the cup, but. The minutes that Quinn Nicol has played, he's looked really good. I know we've just spoken about the goal, and it, yes, it was a tap-in, but you've got to be in that position to do that, to, to score that goal. So the, the the effort to be there is really the most encouraging, encouraging thing about the goal. It's his all-round game that I'm most impressed with. His, his ability on the ball to control, under pressure, quick touches to control the ball. He looks like he belongs at this level, and he is, what, 15, 16, so to already look like he belongs at this level at that age, on the ball, he's got a really bright future ahead of him. He's looking a really, really bright prospect. And to me, it's his work with the ball as opposed to the goal that's the most encouraging thing from the first two games.
0: Well, I, I just want to say as well, is I'm hoping that this time in 12 months we're still talking about the fact that he's only really seeing limited minutes as well. Because if you're relying on a 15 year I don't care if they're the next Leo Messi or Ronaldo or, you know, Pele or something... You don't want to wind up burning them out because the schedules are getting harder and harder in season. I think it's much better to say, all right, look, you might not play every game. Maybe you get 20, 21 appearances off the bench, playing up to half an hour each week. And if we're still hearing in 12 months, he needs to be playing more minutes because the fans want to see him, I'm taking that as a win on the season as well. So that that's kind of what I would be thinking for this season. It's just... I do- Basically I don't. Away. I don't want.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't want to sort of you know. You don't want to make comparisons, but as far as the way you handle him, just ask Nick Montgomery how he handled Qual or how Carl Viet handles Ness for Ranakunda. I'm not comparing. Um, Quinn to those two players because they're very, very different players there. They're they're explosive attacking players, whereas Quinn McNichol looks more you know, like a defensive a, not defensive, a, a more of a midfield sort of creative player. So hey but the way I treat them is that where despite their popularity and I think it's that's the, that's the one thing the raw fans have just got to be patient. I know, I know, a lot of times that they do get impatient and this whole sort of you know instant gratification. As soon as we get a half decent player in in orange, but I think this is a special exemption where you can say, you know what, just let it be. Let just give it give it time to grow. I think at the end of the day, the payoff, almost not only figuratively but literally as well could be a lot greater if we just show some patience and let him develop his own time rather than by expectations and there's a couple other players i think already in this raw squad that i think have been victims of that of that sort of that other behavior and that other thought
0: yeah all right we'll move on now but before we do that i just want to say quinn mcnichol missed the good part of the simpsons era by at least five years so just think of that for a second
1: there is that exactly
0: all right, now I want to talk about one of the other um, young guns in Tommy Waddingham who got another opportunity up front, got a goal. Um, but, well, I'm going to leave that to you two because I have to go find out why my dog is barking. So you guys start talking about Waddingham and I'll be back in a second.
1: Go ahead, Adam.
2: Yeah, it's Sunday, Sunday night all over again. But, um, yeah, oh, look, uh, as James said, you know, I think... Uh, what we said about Quinn McNichol I think Thomas Waddingham's a different prospect because he he's had a little bit more time. He's a little he's a lot older, and uh, yeah, look, I think that he's also shown in a couple of his senior starts, especially the competitive games, that you now he looks like he belongs as well. And uh, he and he, uh, you don't like I said we don't want him sort of you know carrying the load as far as up front, but. Look, he's, been, he's doing what he's been asked essentially so far this, uh, this season in uh, the pre-season games and the cup games.
1: Absolutely. And the thing with Tommy Waddingham as well is we just spoke about Quinn McNichol and what impact he could have on this season. I think Tommy Waddingham will have a much bigger impact on the season, James. I know the Roar are going to bring in another number nine at some point, but at the moment Tommy Waddingham is doing a really, really nice job in that role up front. His work, holding the ball up, his ability his ability in the air, I should say, so I'm trying to say, his, his heading ability, not just with the goal, but also some of the other chances he got on the end of, was really good. He's, the team is finding him in good areas to create opportunities, so he's having a re- he's going to have a really big impact, also because of the fact that even if they bring in this other number nine at some point, he'll probably be on the bench every week and getting minutes off the bench at least, so he'll have a really big impact on the season, and the way he's played in, particularly the game against Sydney United, I know it was against an NPL opposition, but, he looked really, really good in terms of his movement within the team. I think you were saying as well, James, he's looked very similar in some of the preseason games that you've seen. So it looks like he's fitting in really nicely into the way they're all want to use him. And I think he'll have a big impact this season and it's great to see he had a great year in the MPL obviously and now it looks like he's gonna transition into the a League side and have an impact.
0: Yeah, and you kind of hope you can give him the development that we were all hoping Cyrus Demi would wind up
1: getting, yeah. but it's We've the D'Agostino got, path as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I, I just think back to Demi. You know, he had that breakout NPL season. And because of all other issues, I think, with recruitment... Was that the Lascano year where uh, Demi wound up having to start the first couple of games just because whoever... Uh, it was Lascano. Um, he just wasn't ready to go from the outset. And I still think that absolutely, like ruined his, well not ruined but stagnated his development. Now he was able to recover and get himself a move overseas looks like he's having a good time over there but you just think, you don't want to put these guys under too much pressure too early and I feel like the best thing that could happen for Waddingham is getting a striker that can come in and basically do what we kind of saw early days Charlie Austin doing uh, with a couple of the strikers there as well where he can say, "All right, I'm going to be playing 70 to 90 minutes each week, but you're going to get time as
1: well." The other, the other comparison is back to this is way back in the day when the Raw were winning trophies. It was Kwame Uboa backing up Bessar Berisha when Kwame came in after a good season in the in the youth youth league competition. Came in as a backup to him, got a couple of starts early in the season, then had his big breakout moment away to the Mariners, where he came on off the bench and scored in the last minute, and that obviously catapulted him into into start him into a move overseas not long after so that's not not that we want Tommy to go overseas too soon but that's another comparison you want hopefully the raw do bring in a big name or not a big name but a, a successful number nine who's going to score a lot of goals and Tommy Waddingham can come in and chip in and play 25 minutes off the bench or so as a as a complementary piece It's probably what you're looking for f- from him this year
2: I mean I'm gonna make a bold prediction now I won't even I won't even save it for the um... For the season preview show, but I think Tommy Waddingham starts uh, in in the opening A League game at uh, at Campbelltown against Macarthur.
0: Yeah, which
2: would make me very very nervous, but you never
0: know; he might be up to it. Uh, Not that
1: bold, I mean. The season starts in what six weeks. <laughs> so it's
0: yeah. Scott Scott just uh, unzipping and urinating all over Adam's bold opinion there. <laughs> no,
2: no, no I, I believe in that, but so and just uh, one last, last thing I think it's probably worth worth uh, sort of mentioning as well Uh, I think for me the best player so far for the Raw in these Cup games has been Luis Abala his form has been absolutely outstanding I think he he is really going to be an important player this year if he can keep up uh, what he's done in the Cup so far for sure alright
0: let's move on because we've got the game that all three of us were at with a spectacular light show down at Carrara and that took place in the backdrop of the Croatian Sports Centre as Gold Coast Knights took on Western United. I had a mental blank there for a second, but it was an interesting evening down there, and Western United came away 2-0 winners, but they really had to work for it, Adam, because
2: Knights, they came out uh, out of the gates flying. Uh, they did, and uh, it's funny, as we are talking about with... Um the the uh, game between uh, Sydney United and the Raw that uh, that uh, it's always dangerous an NPL side comes out in ambush, ambush, them with an early goal. Look, Gold Coast Knights could have been three nil up after about 15 minutes. Uh, the, Brad Inman um, flashes flash a goal a shot on, on goal after about three minutes. Um, Max Brown uh, hit hit the post. Uh, in about six minutes, and then um, and, the, and then yeah, then I even had another sort of chance. I was actually a brilliant say by um, Thomas Hewitt Bell. So, talking about um, ambush. So, even if one or, one of those goes in, uh, it's a, it's a complete different ball game. Eventually, uh, Gold, Coast, Gold Coast Knights sort of fell on their own sword as far as the pressure from Western United. They start to really sort of build into the game. But, um, yeah, I think this is one that uh, Scott McDonald, I think, is going to be sort of, you know, ruling if they take the chances. And these are chances that they buried all season in NPL. uh What a different outcome this may have been.
1: Yeah, I think he will be disappointed, Scott McDonald. Not only his size performance, you know, changes, they did play quite well in the game. They were really, really competitive. But what could have been? I mean, to Adam's point, it could have been almost game over in the first 10, 15 minutes of this. If it's 2 or 3 nil, if all those chances do go in. That game is virtually over inside 15 minutes in the favour of Knights. So they had some great opportunities in the game and they did play really well, didn't they? They, they were certainly did get worn down as the game went on. The professionalism and the fitness of Western United did tell in the end and some really good young players for Western coming through who made an impact in the game. But for the first 60 to 65 minutes, Gold Coast Knights were every bit as good and as competitive as Western United. And that's the positive thing from the Gold Coast Knights perspectives they were right there in the contest for a good hour, if not more, of this game before they did ultimately get worn down. But if even one of those chances goes in, it's a completely different game and that's the what-if moment for the Knights.
0: And it is a storyline we've seen unfold so many times in the Australia Cup when you've got the local team taking on an A-League side. The local team starts off well and just runs out of legs late and that's pretty much what it boiled down to for me where Knights just couldn't get out of second gear for the final 20 minutes when they really needed to push for the winner, But I did, or the equaliser, but I do want to talk about the opening goal for Western United because that was a very well-worked set piece, which like, when I saw it was a three-on-one mismatch at the back post for Western United, so I can't remember who headed it back across it was a well-worked move that freed up a player for an open header and it, it was just a bit of creativity from the A-League side that I don't want to say they had to go into a bag of tricks to unlock the Knights defence which has been it is still the best in Queensland I'm pretty sure um, Yeah, they had to go and rely on what was a well worked set piece move to finally get a breakthrough and I think officially it was a own goal off Jaden Walker
2: it, it, it was
1: I think, I think officially it's actually been credited to the young lad from Western. Oh well, there we go. I saw, I saw them tweeting about it on um, over the weekend about how the officially got credited to him. So I think it's officially gone in Good. his favour. How, how many? Ca- Which it should anyway.
0: I was going to say, how many um, replays do you think they needed to get a final definition on who got the
1: final touch? I do want to know who this dubious goals committee is, and if it's just somebody watching the tape, or if it's actually a group of people who meet up. I've always wanted to know how that process works. So it'd be interesting to know, but be nice. The group of people formerly known as Soccer Twitter maybe it's that illustrious panel of former captains have finally met up and they doing it in the the GB Skulls committee
2: there you go um, I, I actually can tell you. it was actually it just on that set play I'm just just watching the replay now on my screen and uh, it was actually Josh Risden. yeah the, who who was who got who basically ghosted into the uh, the back post unmarked and then headed across so uh, so yeah that, that was that was, but yeah you're right just look at it again it's a very very well worked um, set-piece, and they they even had one uh, in the first half that nearly sort of had safe for James Donerkey, but uh, it was saved by... It was, it was actually saved by uh, Josh Langdon, who I thought had a had a very, very strong game.
1: Mystery solved, James. Adam is the Dubious Goals Committee. We just figured it out. <laughs> so that's what he does during the week.
2: <laughs> but yeah,
1: I th-
0: and then they got the uh, icing on the cake in stoppage time as well, where I think the ball and a player wound up in the back of the net as well. I think it was Shelford Deus trying to make that final stop potentially. But yeah, I, I think Knights have plenty to be frustrated about, but not a lot to really be too disappointed in if that makes sense. Like It, it wasn't a no, bad no. night for them as well. and no. We should say as well, it was 900 and something showing up, and you can only imagine what that crowd would have been without the Lightning.
2: No, not not at all. I think yes, the results were about the only thing that didn't go for uh, for Gold Coast Knights. Yes, they would be dub. Yes, they would be disappointed, especially given uh, what could have been. But at the end of the day, uh, great nights, great turnout, considering. And uh, look, they they uh, they they really sort of you know, they gave it a shot, and uh, that, that's that's all you can ask. Uh, at the end of the day, um, it, it is a professional club versus a, a semi-professional club, and if, if the game you know, sort of gets into those late stages and it's still on the line, generally the professional club um, is going gonna, is gonna to prevail. But a very, very good performance, and if they play like that in back in MPL, like, so they would be almost too good for for anyone else in the league. For sure. All right. Well, let's
0: hear from one of the Knights players. We caught up with Josh Langdon after the full-time whistle, and uh, we should just give this a little bit of a caveat as well. <laughs> This was recorded before the NPL final series got expanded from four to six teams, so the interview uh, questions at the end still kind of work, but uh, they may seem a little bit odd given the current context. But anyway, here's Josh Langdon. <laughs> uh, uh, Josh, tough results. I hope you had some good saves. What did you make of the team performance?
3: Yeah, it was a really good effort from the boys. I think that was probably the best game of quite year. Uh really, really uh, match their effort and matched their ability. Um, a few moments where maybe switched off, but I think we really had the majority of the chances for the game and um, if we were able to take one or two, it would have been a different story.
0: Yeah, you started off uh, so well. What did uh, Scott say to get you guys out of the block so quickly?
3: Um, just pretty much back our ability. Like we, we're all good players. We all know that we um, were able to match them and uh, most of us could be able to play in this level. So it was just back ourselves and trust that we are able to play um at this level and um really don't be afraid and just trust each other so.
0: and how was it playing against an a-league opponent
3: it's always good it's always a good test to see uh obviously we're part-time and they're full-time so small differences there but um no it's always a great occasion and um it was really good for the club to put this on and um uh i had all the fans come down but yeah it was a really good opportunity and uh I'm lucky for us at the end of the day. So. <laughs> and the fans did brave the uh, weather tonight. Spectacular lightning show throughout the game. <laughs> yeah, I was watching it in the goal actually up that end. So, <laughs> but no, it was, a, it was a definitely a good occasion. And uh, yeah, definitely thanks to everyone who came down. Uh, yeah, it's good.
1: Attention now turns for you back to the league semi-final in a week, week and a half time. Looking forward to that match up here back here, I imagine.
3: Yeah, back here. Um, obviously, I think we find out on Saturday who we're versing, so Friday or Saturday. Um, but, yeah, we'll definitely take the form for this game. I think we all play really, really well. And um, oh, I think if we play like this, we'll, we'll easily beat anyone um, who, who, who we're up against.
0: And uh, having that weekend off now to just recuperate after what would have been a pretty draining game will be quite helpful as well?
3: Definitely, yeah, a bit of time to re- um, recover. Uh, there's a few sore bodies, but... Um, it's obviously they're playing, whoever we're playing will be playing on the weekend, and we play tonight, so enough time to recover and uh, regroup for the next week, and um, yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: And a spot at Suncorp on the line starting to think about playing on the big stage?
3: Always, mate. It's always at the back of our mind, but um has just got to focus on one game at a time. Uh, we know we're good enough to be at that level, and uh, we've shown in both Cups, in the league and uh, in the Cup of Cup, and so we're uh, wanting to take out the third.
0: And a big thanks to Josh for taking the time to chat with us after the game as well, and I think he uh, at that point just wanted some dinner I'm
1: pretty sure Scott. I think he probably did yeah. It was uh, <laughs> look he it was a bit of a, a flat interview there, as you heard but also it was great to hear from him and he's had a terrific game in that as so we made three or four really nice saves for from his perspective as well so he had a really nice game and yeah it was great to hear from him. But I do think he yeah, right he was probably more than ready to go and ha- go and have some dinner and get ready to go to bed I think it was quite late by that point
0: it certainly was but um, I, I will share one final uh, funny story from the night down there we were just chatting after the Langdon interview watching the draw on Adam's phone I'm pretty sure it was and we just hear this loud cheer coming from the Western United um, dressing room and they just found out they'd drawn Sydney FC so that that was kind of fun as well it isn't quite the day shouldn't but... you
1: be cheering a home tie by the way wouldn't you rather a home tie than a trip to Sydney
0: uh, apparently everyone prefers away days in the Australia Cup for some reason and you know, for an A-League club, I guess they're more used to it because they
1: have the. I understand the away trip coming up to Queensland, the idea of coming up to the warm weather. But what's the appeal
2: of going to Sydney? Maybe they have a really good coffee shop around there. I reckon. I reckon they back themselves against Sydney, to be honest. Uh, I think. I think it's. Um, I think if we're, if we're going to segue into into the preview for uh, for the uh, quarterfinals, uh, I think at this stage, whenever A-League clubs, I, I think A-League clubs almost. I guess in a way prefer to play play other A-League clubs because I think it, it becomes pretty, really even. I think uh, while, while you know, on the, in the case of the Raw, uh, they take on who have been a very sort of red-hot uh, Western uh Western Sydney Wanderers. I think that the home field advantage may actually play in their in their favour. It certainly would. I'm just
0: bringing up the draw now. So since we've pretty much pivoted that way, uh, quarter-final fixtures coming up. Uh, Thursday, September 14th. Metro starts against Melbourne City. Uh, and then Thursday, September 14th as well. Melbourne Knights against Heidelberg. Yeah, know, we, we make our jokes about the South Queensland conference down there, but that is going to be so much fun to watch. And uh, surely we're, we're all
1: on the Ben Kahn of oh Melbourne yeah. Knights bandwagon in this one. For sure. Oh, yeah. Got to be. Then...
0: Parc de Paris, that was announced this morning. Uh, that will be hosting the Raw against Western Sydney Wanderers Saturday the 16th of September, 4pm. So uh, that is a big weekend of football here because we've also got the NPL and FQPL 1 Grand Finals at Suncorp Stadium on Sunday the 17th, which means that uh, there may be a few phones out in the stands watching Sydney SC Western United from Leichhardt Oval on the 17th. That's all. That's all.
1: There's only four fixtures. I'm sure we're all desperately keen to see the, um, that, that match-up down there in Sydney. Well, hopefully, uh, I know I'll be watching it
0: intensively. I ca- I'm just hoping we'll be watching it so we can get to the draw for the uh, semi-final, so we can find
2: out who's playing who, if you get my meaning. We, we might have to chuck it on the TV. And, uh, actually, do they, they even have Paramount? In, and I'll have to check that. It's ten play, you're fine. The Suncorp? Yeah, I want to put it on the TV.
1: We'll find out how to do it. It's yeah, i it out. But it's a, it is a good draw, actually, for the order to finally get a home tie. What has it been? Um, 2019. Two to two games this year and four four last year, plus the um, the two games in 2019 that you mentioned, or 2020 against um, Lions and pounds It's been a long time since Raw have had an official home tie. I think it was Central Coast Mariners at Dolphin Stadium. I think it was officially called then. So that's how long ago it's been. But it's great to see them play at home. And I kind of agree with Adam. I think being at home does benefit the raw in this being an all-a league tie having the home crowd behind you could be a small difference maker although they've played once this year again in a behind closed doors game which i think western sydney might have prevailed in but it'll be interesting to see how they match up i don't think you can take anything from that by the way that's just a behind a practice thing so playing a game up here it's a great chance also for the for the fans all to get out and see a competitive game on the eve of the season as well so be a really good occasion and great to see they're all playing at home in the Cup which they haven't done for a very very long time as I said I'm going to just keep it simple as well from a fans perspective they want a game back
0: in Brisbane this one's in Brisbane get out to it plain and simple
1: pack out park to Paris. let's go
0: Yep. yep. alright um, so question is next time we reconvene to review the Australia Cup which may also be our NPL season review uh, based on the timings of all that are we going to be talking about a, another raw semi-final run,
2: Scott? I hope so. Adam, uh, look, yeah, I think I think so. I I think it's not going to be easy. I think Western Western Sydney have recruited well. It's just going to be, and their their results in the Australia Cup so far have been outstanding, uh, albeit against sort of you know not so strong opposition. So this will be a good this will be a good test. I think I think it's going to be a close game, and I I'd almost fact if, if it's not going to go to extra time it will be a very close call i think I, I don't think either team is going to belt the other i i don't think anyway but uh but yeah look i actually i'm, I'm actually fairly confident the rocking can return to the um to the final four it
1: will be a really good test actually because western sydney have not only recruited really strongly as they always seem to do james but in the cup this is their probably their strongest they've been in a very long time and they dismantled adelaide at home so be a great test for the Raw in terms of not just this quarter-final, but looking ahead to the A-League season, how do they stack up against one of the teams that a lot of people are already penned in as one of the favourites? How do the Raw stack up against them? It would be a great test.
0: Well, that's going to be the interesting uh, bit of motivation as well, because again, I'm cautiously optimistic that the Raw are going to be good and be playing finals this season. This is their chance for a trophy this year. Whereas I think Western Sydney are probably a step ahead at the moment. But cup football, anything can happen. And I do think the fact that the Raw, this is their chance for a trophy. I think that might be enough to get them over the line as well. Because as we are uh, seeing with uh, Ross Aloisi as well, pretty good at motivating his players as well.
2: And I think also as well, if if they don't win, it's not nothing to despair about. I think... I think the performance is just going to be as important as the result, albeit cup football is a very, very different beast in how you approach it. Uh, but, but yeah, look, if if the result does go against the raw, uh, certainly you don't jump off the bandwagon just yet. I think it's a case of, uh, it's a case of look, you, you take it for what it is.
1: Here's a question, question, Because I assume Berenguer will probably make his competitive debut in this game. Will we even see young Quinn McNichol in this game?
0: I think he'll be on the bench. I think it will basically depend on how the game goes as to whether or not he gets a run out. Maybe you keep him for fresh legs if it goes to extra time or if it's gone one way or another, you give him a run out. But it'll be an interesting gauge to see just how highly Aloisi and company rate him because if he comes on in the 75th minute with the game locked up at 1-1, well, that's as good of an endorsement as you can get about his potential prospects even more if they're trailing 1-0, funnily enough.
2: I think I think there'd be more of a chance of coming on if uh, if the raw are trailing, um, be, be it it's still in the game or if it's sort of, you know, become garbage time. I still think he'll get minutes. But also as well, just the notes out of the Western United game, is that the emergence of another young player in Ryland Brownlee, he had an exceptional game against Western United. So to, to put it on that performance... Um, against A-League opposition would also give Ross Eloisi confidence that he may have another young player that he could unleash possibly so look I think from a young player's point of view the future looks really really bright for the I think that is I think it's probably the most optimistic thing you definitely say it's just a case of you just don't want to overuse them
1: yeah the reason I asked that question James is do have a lot of players in that attacking midfield area that they couldn't use both centrally and in wide areas and with Berenguer probably available now it does add to that as options so it may be an interesting way to see how Ross does set that up because there's a lot of options there and who, who who plays might be a good indication of the pecking order going into round one because I think this could be almost a dress rehearsal in many ways ahead of round one.
0: It certainly could be alright well we're going to call this an abbreviated edition of the Brisbane Football Review because well, we only had two games to talk about but either way thank you Adam
2: yes thank you and good afternoon I think yeah that, that qualifies. There yeah. we go. Thank you Scott
1: absolutely, it's pre-season, we can't go any longer on this, that's it, I'm tapping out.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've got a couple of supersized episodes coming up as well. Our NPL season recap, uh, which will come out after the Grand Final at some stage, probably when I get my voice back. Um, and we'll also have our supersized A-League uh, men's and women's season previews as well. So that's going to be it from us on this Monday evening. Thank you everyone for listening. Make sure you check out the NPL Sunday show, which will recap all of your necessary news scores and all that other stuff from the local game. In the meantime, we're going to step away. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.